so yesterday we spoke about uh, whether people would believe in God if there were if there was enough kind of evidence. Uh, and well, my conclusion anyway is that they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I don't think uh, believe, belief in God is based on on science or based on evidence. I think faith goes beyond it. Uh, but we do see what the, the purpose of miracles is here uh, in today's gospel. So it's not that miracles then are useless. Miracles can help confirm our faith or can help prove, what, uh, as in today's gospel, can help prove what the Lord is saying. So the Lord is saying your sins are forgiven. Sorry, who are you to forgive sins? Like, I mean, the President of Ireland, United States, all the UN together can't forgive sins. So who are you to forgive sins? And it's like the Lord understands, okay, I know randomers can't just go around just forgiving sins. So in order to prove to you that I can, he works a miracle. So he says to the paralytic, get up and walk. So he's trying to show, I mean, he understands that we do need evidence for what we believe too. We, our faith is not blind. Our faith really is not blind. Our faith goes beyond what we can see and touch and, and, and measure, but our faith isn't blind. Because that would be, be dangerous. That'd, that could very easily lead us into superstition and all sorts of crazy beliefs. So our faith is not blind. Uh, but so that there's, there's, there are facts to back it up. But as I say, our faith goes beyond what we can scientifically prove, just like love, just like music. Okay, you try and sit down and analyze why music is good or why food tastes nice. Analyze that. I mean, I just like it. <laughs> you know, you can't quantify it, you can't measure it, you can't put it on the scales. You just, you just like it. Or why you find someone attractive. Well, I mean, how do you, how do you quantify that? But yet it's real. So very often in our lives, what we believe and what we do goes beyond what we can measure. It goes beyond science, again, without being unreasonable. But it, just, it goes beyond it. It goes beyond it. All of, all of art goes beyond science. Okay. Um, just uh, what I wanted to hone in on today is, is this uh, somewhat awkward reading to explain. Okay, so uh, Abraham and his son. Isaac and God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now most of us would hear this and go, "My goodness, why would God ask such a thing?" Okay, so there's a couple of a couple of details here that that are very very important as always. So, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will point out to you. That's God's command. Now, any parent, <clears throat> any good God-fearing uncle, uh, would imagine, my goodness, that's just, how do you defend God? As, such a, uh, as if it's up to us to defend God, but how do you justify that kind of a request? Okay, now it only makes sense when the story is complete, obviously. In that moment, uh, if, we, if, we, if we're just to, to, to stop there, it just sounds horrific, like, is God asking for a child sacrifice? Like, that's, we don't do that. That's, 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 that's not Christian. <laughs> we can't do that. Now, child sacrifice would have been, unfortunately, uh, a Canaanite practice. Um, we hear about it in, in, in other, other passages of Scripture where, where uh, child sacrifice, uh, it did happen. It did happen. So it was a common thing at the time. Still wrong, absolutely. But not unheard of. Okay, it did happen. Right. So a couple of things. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering 
loaded it on Isaac. He loaded the wood on Isaac. Okay, now, all sorts of prefiguration neutrons should be firing off in our heads at the moment. Loading the wood on his son, right? Jesus on the cross. But there's also another little detail here. If he loaded the wood on Isaac, enough wood now to build an altar, well, Isaac wasn't five, and he probably wasn't ten either. In order to carry wood, sure, you'd have to be a young man, you'd have to be a teenager to carry enough wood to build an altar. So he's in his teens anyway. Now, Abraham, is, Abraham was 99, was 100, when, um, when, he, uh, when Isaac was born. So now Abraham's 115, 116. My money would be on the 16-year-old if it came to a, a bit of a tussle between a 16-year-old and a 116-year-old. My money would be on Isaac. So the point that some commentators make today is that if, if Isaac was strong enough to carry that much timber, he could only be bound if he let himself be bound. So what we see here isn't, isn't a father uh, violently and kind of just disregarding the life of his son and, and offering him on a, on a whim, but we have a son here who's offering himself at the request of his father. So, again, we see this, it's, just, it's such a clear prefiguration of the eternal father offering his son. Again, God not asking us to do something that he would never do, but asking us to do something that he has done, or in this case, that he will do, where the father will offer his son. Now, there's a, a beautiful thought here as well, a beautiful prophecy, if you will, from, from Abraham where Isaac points out, he said, look, he said, here the fire and here's the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham answered, my son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Now at that moment, in Abraham's heart, that was going to be Isaac. But, but the words that he said were, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb. And so then, Abraham follows the Lord's command, is about to, 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 to offer Isaac, and then the angel intervenes and says, I now see, you, you've shown your faith, do not harm the boy, for I know that you fear God. You have not refused me, your son, your only son. And almost always when they mention son, they say your son, your only son. So, you're, they're really underlining this, uh, the, the incredible faith that Abraham had because how can you have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore if you have one son and now you're going to end his life and you're 116? How, how, how can that promise be realized? So how can God still come good on his promise with just the... the, 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 the biological impossibility of what's happening. Sarah was already old. No offense to her. I mean, she, was, she had experience in life, but the biological possibility of her having, of having a child was well and truly over. So, just how, how, how can this be possible? How can God realize his promise 
and I sacrifice my only son. That just it just makes no sense. But Lord, if you say so, this kind of this this, this ability to to walk by faith and not by sight. We call Abraham our father in faith. He wasn't just a good man to do some of these things. Again, this is before the, the church has been established. So before we had a, a clearer picture of who God is and how God is and what he wants. This is right at the beginning. It takes incredible faith to do this. And it, it, the, the, as I say, the, the Old Testament and New Testament prefigurations of, of Jesus on the cross are, they're, they're beautiful, they're so clear. The son loading the wood on himself offering himself willingly the father who offers his son for love of us and so then the angel intervenes Abraham saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush and he takes the ram and offers the ram so the Lord provides the lamb behold the lamb of God behold him who takes away the sins of the world so what we see here is, is just a, astounding faith, incredible faith in Abraham. And when we think of someone like that, we think of maybe Oliver Plunkett today, who was a primate of Ireland in uh, the, sixth, the 17th century, from 16, born in 1620, died in uh, 1681, I believe, uh, martyred in, in England, hung, drawn, quartered. So these people who... They, they know that their position is risky. They know that what they're doing, preaching, teaching, uh, is, is against what the authorities are saying. It's, uh, they know it's, it's life-threatening, and they continue anyway. You know, they, they, they're, 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 their love for the Lord is so great that, that they will not bow before man. Even though this, this may cost me, it may cost me my job, it may cost me a relationship, it might cost me my life. And they do it anyway. And when I hear stories like this, uh, there's, I think, a kind of a, almost a danger. You can sit back and kind of read these stories or hear these stories full of admiration and go, well, fair play to them. Well done. Go, Oliver Blunkett. Admiration is nice. Imitation is way better. Admiration is good. It's good that we admire the saints, and absolutely, they've done great things. But imitation is far more important because you can admire someone from afar, you can admire someone as a spectator, you can admire someone, and to be honest, it really makes zero difference to your life. It's nice, like they're, they're stories, great, delight, they're entertaining. But that's only, that's passive, that's, it doesn't really change you at all. Admiration is nice, imitation imitation that's that's when we start to be transformed from from within that we look at the faith of Abraham we look at the faith of St. Oliver Plunkett and we say Lord increase my faith increase my faith help my unbelief that's that that's a very different approach then to to to, to these realities these uh, this gospel passage and and the reality of, of St. Oliver Plunkett's life we look at them and we go Lord I, grant me faith like that and help me in the ordinary circumstances of today now in the conversations that I have and whatever I post up on Facebook and uh, in these ordinary things that I might witness to you that I might have faith and that my plans might be going a direction that don't seem to make sense and I'm praying about them but I, I, as far as I know Lord as far as I've discerned and as far as I've prayed about it this seems to be the direction you're calling me to go 
uh, I don't understand everything. I don't understand why things aren't necessarily working out. But Lord, I trust you. I walk by faith. I'll leave everything in your hands. I'll do my part. I'll, I'll make the decisions I have to make. I'll make you know, we, we can't just sit back passively and say, Lord, guide everything. You still have to decide uh, what you're going to do with your day, with your time, with your college places, with your relationships. You decide how much you pray and so on and so forth. So we're not entirely passive in this. But we walk by faith. So Lord, in, in your time, in your time, realize your plan in my life. Help me to make the decisions I need to, to make today. Help me to, to put into action what you're calling me to do today. And grant, Lord, that when we hear these beautiful passages of Scripture, or these lives of the saints, that we won't just have admiration, but that we will be filled with imitation of these great examples of faith, of love, and of self-sacrifice. Amen.